RTHK, the News at One with Tom Warden. The headlines. The financial secretary says the government gave out as many so-called sweeteners as it could in yesterday's budget. The Health Bureau announces mask wearing in public places will remain compulsory until at least March the 8th. And rescue efforts at a coal mine in Inner Mongolia, where more than 50 miners are trapped, are on hold after a massive landslide. Financial Secretary Paul Chan says the government is not in a position to dish out any more financial relief other than what he announced in the budget, even though the sweeteners are not as sweet as before. Mr. Chan was speaking on a radio program jointly hosted by RTHK, Commercial Radio and Metro Radio a day after he announced his budget blueprint. Among other issues, callers complained that new tax allowances do not include people supporting their parents who don't live with them, the additional child allowance was not big enough, and the electronic spending voucher had been halved to $5,000. In response, Mr. Chan said, one can only spend within one's means. After all, we have had several years of deficit and we have to be prudent. The relief measures, or so-called sweeteners, are not as sweet. I hope people will understand that we have done everything we could. As for suggestions of other tax allowances or a newborn cash allowance, we have looked at them. But let's just say that while I understand why people have suggested them, they would add up to a considerable sum. The Financial Secretary Paul Chan also announced in his budget pledges to boost funding in technological research, including the AI field and the digital economy. This includes setting aside $3 billion to enhance research in fields such as AI and quantum technology, and also plans to expedite the third-generation Internet ecosystem known as Web3. Rocky Mui is a partner at Clifford Chance and told RTHK's Backchat program the government had targeted the right areas. In terms of digital economy, it's quite important for Hong Kong's continuing development in the areas in the International Financial Centre. We do need the continuing investment in the infrastructure, whether it's hardware or software, and it's great we identified, um, uh, the government, uh, particular poll identified the, how I see it, the right areas go into the AIs, um, the Web3, and of course virtual asset, which is a kind of a subset as to what we talk about under kind of Web3 and, and blockchain ecosystem. Meanwhile, the president of the Taxation Institute of Hong Kong has welcomed Paul Chan's moderately liberal budget. Carol Liu said she agreed with having one-off smaller-scale measures to support enterprises and the public as the city recovers from the pandemic. She said issuing a further round of electronic consumption vouchers also helps to promote the use of e-payment, which was a future business trend. But she told Vicky Wong the Institute would like to see further tax breaks. Our institute welcomes the proposed increase of the basic child allowance and additional child allowance for each child born. In view that the budget proposal in the last few years did not increase any other personal allowances, the institute considered that uh, various personal allowances for salary tax can be increased. For example, the married person's allowance, single parent allowance, and also dependent parents and grandparent allowance. A member of the government's task force to promote and brand Hong Kong says Paul Chan's budget is the most comprehensive one he's ever put together. Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group, says there are more than 150 events planned this year, which will attract visitors to the SAR and increase spending in the community. I think it's, I call it Happy Hong Kong meets Hello Hong Kong. The two initiatives that the government recently rolled out. And I believe it's uh, really doing something in order to entice tourists to come, 
get Hong Kong back. This, for me, was the most comprehensive budget uh, that Paul Chan, the financial secretary, has ever put together. Uh, it really had something for everyone. And uh, I think the Happy Hong Kong, of course, large-scale food fairs, gourmet marketplaces, summer carnival, and the uh, harbor. The Health Bureau has announced that it's extending the mask mandate in public places until at least March the 8th. The government says people will continue to need to wear a mask on public transport and in scheduled premises like shopping malls and markets, as well as other public places. Search and rescue efforts at a coal mine in Inner Mongolia have been put on hold after a massive landslide. The mine collapse yesterday afternoon killed two people, injured six, and left 53 missing. And the landslide hours later forced rescuers to suspend their work. President Xi Jinping has instructed authorities to do everything possible to search for and rescue the missing people. And Premier Li Keqiang has ordered an investigation into the cause of the disaster. Top diplomat Wang Yi has met with Russia's President Vladimir Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov on a visit to the Kremlin. The Russian Foreign Ministry announced it was grateful for what it called Beijing's consistently balanced position on Ukraine. Mr. Wang said the China-Russia relationship could not be influenced by other nations. We would like to emphasize once again that the comprehensive strategic partnership between Russia and China has never been directed against a third party. It is certainly not subject to interference and provocation by any third party. We will not be overwhelmed by coercion and pressure from third parties. The head of the United Nations has condemned Russia's attack on Ukraine as an affront to the world's conscience. Antonio Guterres was speaking at a special meeting of the UN General Assembly in New York. It's debating a motion tabled by Kiev's allies nearly a year after the assault began, calling for Russia to pull out of Ukraine immediately and unconditionally. The Kremlin's ambassador, Vasilina Benzia, accused the West of wanting to defeat Russia at any cost. He said the U.S. and its allies were prepared to plunge the entire world into war. I think that today, one year after the active stage of the Ukraine crisis began, very few doubt that it's not Ukraine that's fighting Russia, because Ukraine basically spent all of its military potential in the first weeks of the special military operation. Rather, it's the collective West in the form of the United States, NATO and the European Union. The Biden administration says it's extremely concerned by the levels of violence in Israel and the occupied West Bank. The State Department spokesman Ned Price made the remark after a raid by Israeli troops in Nablus left 11 Palestinians dead and about 100 wounded. Several Palestinian gunmen were among those killed as well as civilians. Mr. Price called on both sides to work together. We had productive conversations in recent days with the parties and U.S. regional partners in support of efforts to prevent further violence. We are deeply concerned that the impact of today's raid could set back efforts aimed at restoring calm for both Israelis and Palestinians. Media reports in the United States say the daughter and son-in-law of Donald Trump have been summoned to testify before a federal grand jury. They say Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner have been called to give evidence on the former president's role in the storming of the U.S. Congress two years ago. Both served as White House officials in the Trump administration. A TV news journalist has been shot dead while working at the scene of a murder in the U.S. state of Florida. A nine-year-old girl was also killed inside a nearby house. The BBC's Peter Bowes has more details. 
Police first responded to a shooting in the community of Pine Hills, where a 20-year-old woman was found dead in a vehicle. Five hours later, two members of a television news crew were reporting from the scene when they were also shot. One later died in hospital, the other is in a critical condition. At around the same time, the police say a woman and her nine-year-old daughter were shot inside their home nearby. The child has since died. The suspect, 19-year-old Keith Moses, is in custody. Investigators say they don't immediately have a motive for any of the shootings. A court in California has sentenced a man convicted of killing the American hip-hop star Nipsey Hussle to a minimum of 60 years in jail. Eric Holder shot the rapper four years ago in the Los Angeles neighborhood where both men had grown up. He was found guilty in July of first-degree murder with additional sentences for using a gun and wounding two other men. District Attorney John McKinney said Nipsey Hussle was an inspiring figure in the community. Nipsey Hussle meant a lot, not just to L.A. County and the, and the nation in some sense and had fans around the world, but to the community where he was from. He was a leader. He was an inspiring figure. He was neighborhood nip. The Grammys didn't mean anything. The art, the record sales, the money didn't mean anything to the people there. He meant something to them. An investigation into premeditated murder has been opened in the French town where a high school teacher was earlier stabbed to death by a pupil. The 16-year-old suspect is in custody. He is not known to police. The education minister, Papindai, called the attack a tragedy of an extreme gravity, which he said had touched all of France. It's a sad day for national education, and it's a sad day, of course, for this school. The time, of course, for an investigation and a possible conclusion will come. Today is a time of emotion and a time for solidarity. We are present here in the company of the authorities, the prefect, the rector, and also the elected representatives. Finally, the whole nation is present here to express its sorrow and emotion. To sports now, RB Leipzig hold Manchester City in the Champions League. Leipzig have equalised. It was the quick corner from Leipzig. And Gvariol blocked up inside the six-yard area. That's the Croatian centre-back Josko Gvardiol scoring in the second half to earn Leipzig a one-all draw with Manchester City in their last 16 first-leg match in Germany. Riyad Mahrez put City ahead in what looked like a comfortable first half, but Leipzig improved after the break. Pep Guardiola gathered his side in a huddle at full time. City's women's captain, Steph Horton, was watching. He's probably trying to say, keep your head up, boys, because obviously going off the first half performance, probably if we were getting that second goal, the game would have been done. But this is a very good Leipzig side who came out fighting in the second half. In Italy, Romelu Lukaku was the hero for Inter. The Belgian striker came off the bench and scored in the 86th minute to give Inter a 1-0 win over 10-man Porto at the San Siro. The visitors had midfielder Otavio sent off with 12 minutes to play. The return legs of both of those ties are in three weeks' time. Panama have claimed the final place at football's Women's World Cup with a 1-0 win over Paraguay in a qualifying tournament in New Zealand. Haiti have already qualified. Melky Dumorne scored both goals in their 2-1 win over Chile. She's happy to have made history for the Caribbean country. I keep repeating it. We are very happy to be able to qualify for this World Cup. 
We made history. We are very happy. And we know that qualifying means a lot for people in Haiti. And we are also very happy ourselves to be able to qualify for the World Cup. Cameroon were beaten 2-1 by Portugal, who have also reached the Women's World Cup for the first time. Roman Molina is a broadcaster covering the Intercontinental Qualification Tournament taking place in New Zealand, a co-host of the World Cup along Australia. He says teams getting to the biggest stage for the first time is of great significance. When you spoke to everyone there, like coaches, personal football, everyone will tell you, yeah, men are not bad, but the women's are better. If you compare, the women's are better in the CONCACAF zone. So I hope it also inspired the new generations. Could be in IT in Portugal, and yeah, it's a great thing, especially these countries were not used to be at the biggest stage of football. Now they are, so it can definitely help the youngsters. The British government has announced plans to make major changes to the way English football is governed. Their proposals include setting up an independent regulator. The BBC's Dan Rowan has more. The independent football regulator is designed to prevent a repeat of the failings that led to the collapse of Bury FC in 2019, one of a host of clubs to suffer financial crisis in recent years. The body would oversee a licensing system to ensure clubs are run sustainably, be responsible for a strengthened owners and directors test, and could block teams from joining breakaway competitions like the European Super League. With the Football League wanting a greater share of the Premier League's record wealth and the FA pushing for more funding for grassroots football, the regulator could also intervene to decide how much money flows down the pyramid. In rugby union, members of the Wales team have decided against going on strike over a contract dispute, so their Six Nations match against England on Saturday will go ahead in Cardiff. The match was in doubt, but a compromise has been reached with the Welsh Rugby Union, though not every issue has been resolved yet. Wales captain Ken Owens says events have overshadowed their preparations for the game. Of course, it's been a distraction, obviously, with it, with everything that's going on. But I got to commend the players' professionalism in this. There's obviously been a lot of conversations, uh, you know, within team rooms, all that type of stuff. But when we've got crossed our wide line of training, we've prepared well, we've done our work as professional rugby players, and um, we'll be ready for Saturday. To the weather forecast, fine and dry this afternoon with moderate easterly winds. The outlook mainly fine tomorrow and warm with haze during the daytime. It'll be windy over the weekend and early next week and rather cool in the mornings. Currently at the observatory, it's 22 degrees with the relative humidity now 56%. To end the news, the top stories once again. The financial secretary says the government gave out as many so-called sweeteners as it could in yesterday's budget. The Health Bureau announces mask wearing in public places will remain compulsory until at least March the 8th. And rescue efforts at a coal mine in Inner Mongolia where more than 50 miners are trapped are on hold after a massive landslide. The news from RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3. We were good, we were cold Kind of dream that can't be sold We were right till we weren't Built a home and watched it burn
on Radio 3 with flowers. Lovely day. 21 Celsius out there now. It's Thursday afternoon and this is The Brew here on Radio 3. We're going to head off to Singapore in about 10 minutes and say hi to Chef Neil Tomes. He is going to show you a wonderful culinary bodge for tuna rolls. And if you feel like finding out about that, join us on Facebook Live as well. The Brew is our page. Well, whilst we're doing what's ons, don't forget tomorrow morning after the 8.30 news through until 9, you can join the Financial Secretary Paul Chan for Radio 3's 2023 Financial Secretary phone-in. So in the wake of the week's budget speech, once again, you can have your chance to speak to the FS, give him your comments and of course ask him a question. That's the main point, live here on Radio 3. Jim Gordon, Janice Wong are going to be the hosts, so here's what you do. You call us from 830 tomorrow morning on 233-88266 to be part of our financial secretary phone-in. And the big question is, what do you think of this year's budget? (laughs) 